We have arrived at Good Friday, and today we are going to take time uh, to take communion together. Um, this ritual that was instituted by Jesus himself to remember him um, and some specific things around uh, who he is and what he has done for us. And so I hope today as you join us, uh, you have some elements in front of you, uh, bread and juice or wine, uh, and we will partake in just a few minutes together. As we get to Good Friday, we have just come through the season of Lent in Christian tradition and in number of traditions within Christianity celebrate Lent or, or uh, observe Lent um, by giving up something um, for the weeks leading up to Easter weekend. And that giving up of something, it's usually small luxuries, things that we enjoy. Uh, for some people, they stop eating chocolate or they stop eating meat. Uh, they give up alcohol or social media uh, or their coffee routine. Uh, just giving up something that reminds them of the sacrifice of Jesus. And in doing that, part of the idea is it's supposed to free us up and interrupt us a little bit from some distractions in our lives so that we can focus on some of the most important things in life. And so we can ask ourselves some questions, some questions like, what's really meaningful in our lives? It's this time through Lent where we think about our own mortality and the fragility of life. And so these interruptions help us to think through uh, what is really meaningful and what can I live without? And then, as I said, to also focus on the great sacrifice, the much larger sacrifice of Jesus. And as we think about uh, Lent this year, um, perhaps a number of weeks ago, some of you did that. Some of you gave something up. But whether you chose to or not, this year we find that all of us have been thrust into a season of Lent. We have been forced into a time where we've given up a number of things. And some of those things are luxuries that we're finding that we can do without. Maybe we miss them, but we, we really know that we don't absolutely need them. They're inconveniences. Other things are great disappointments. They're milestones in our lives that we've had to postpone or uh, maybe even cancel things like graduations or wedding ceremonies that we're uh, figuring out what to do with because they can't go ahead as of now. And some of us are really thinking about how fragile life is and our own mortality as we see around the world the loss of so much life. And in those moments, as for some of us, especially if we're not frontline workers, life uh, perhaps has gotten a little bit quieter and maybe in the evenings and on the weekends, slower as so many things have been canceled and uh, we've been restricted from doing very much outside of our houses, we might start asking questions about the real meaning of life. We might even start to feel a longing that I think when we're undistracted, we sense in a different way, a longing to be part of something bigger, a longing to be connected to something bigger. And for Christians, that's... That, that for us is the presence of God, is recognizing that God who is transcendent and powerful and all the way out there also has come close to us and is all around us and we have access to him. It's what we call the incarnation, the fact that God stepped into our world in a human being in Jesus to bring us his presence. And what it means is, is Jesus has left us with his Holy Spirit, his presence, is that God is all around us, hiding in physical reality, hiding in relationships, hiding in sacrificial love. He's hiding in plain sight all around us. It is the message of God stepping into the world, making himself available to us, his presence available to us, even in and maybe especially in the ordinary, quiet and slow moments. 
And as we come to take communion together, we realize that when Jesus wanted to remind and give a, a ritual to remind his disciples, his followers of his presence with them and all that he had done for them, he took some of the most ordinary things that they would have all around them almost all the time. And that's so emblematic of Jesus. When most people looked at Jesus, they had a hard time seeing God. He was, by most descriptions, very ordinary looking. Nothing that would really make him stand out. He wasn't really wealthy. He didn't have a really powerful position. He wasn't the, the top of the rung. And yet we see that that is God's presence perfectly revealed. That that's exactly how God works. That is incarnation. That is God stepping into the things that are most ordinary. It's God hiding in plain sight. So when Jesus celebrated his last Passover with his disciples and he gave them this ritual that we call the Lord's Supper or Communion or Eucharist, he took first bread, a staple, what they would have eaten at every meal, it is what they thought would, would physically sustain them, what they needed for their physical bodies to keep going. And so Jesus took bread and he broke it. He gave it to them so that they could hold it in their hands, so that they could feel the reality of that bread. Understanding this is something in some sense so ordinary, in another sense so necessary. And Jesus said, this is my body given for you. He connects his body given with bread, a staple of life and physical life and strength. And I think what he was saying in that was, my sacrifice will be your strength. You will be strengthened spiritually by what I am giving up for you. Just the way that your body is strengthened when you eat this bread. He's saying this staple of life that you need that seems so ordinary. Look at it. Look at the bread that you take for granted, but that you need. This is my body given. This is my self-sacrifice for you. And in turn, what he's teaching them as he sacrifices himself for his followers, that they too will sacrifice themselves for others. And that their sacrifice, our sacrifice, will become the strength of others. That this is actually how we're going to handle our lives, how we're going to handle challenges, how we're going to encourage and lift each other up, how we're going to build up our community. This is how we're going to handle pandemics and financial crises and whatever comes next. When you look for the transcendent presence of God, look at this bread. Look closer, Jesus says. This is my body given for you. This is my great self-sacrifice. And self-sacrifice will continue. It will endure. It will be how all of us move forward together. We will sacrifice for one another to make sure that everyone is strengthened and built up. And it all starts in the sacrifice of Jesus. At the very heart of God, his willingness to give himself up for us, to endure everything that we endured. And to give up the greatest sacrifice, himself, his body, to die for us. 
And so as you have your elements in front of you, I invite you now to take a piece of bread and to hold it in your hand and to pray with me as we bless it. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son. Thank you for holding nothing back in your love for us. Thank you for showing us what it looks like to sacrifice and the strength and power that indeed is in sacrificial love. Nourish us in our time of need. Keep us encouraged in our time of suffering. Make us mindful of the needs of others as we remember how much you've given to us. We thank you for Jesus and we thank you for the cross. Amen. And so Jesus took the bread and when he had given it to his disciples, he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In 1981, Pope John Paul II was traveling in a motorcade through St. Peter's Square in Rome when a man named uh, Mehmet Ali Aka um, shot him four times into his, uh, his arm, his torso, his leg. Uh, he had attempted to assassinate him. Uh, Pope John Paul was critically wounded but did not actually die. And very quickly, the would-be assassiner was uh, arrested, uh, taken into custody, and later sentenced. After a couple of years of him being in jail, Pope John Paul II made a visit to that jail and to visit the one who had tried to kill him. In those moments when they sat knee to knee and face to face, the Pope offered forgiveness, telling this man that, that he was forgiven for his sins, forgiven for trying to murder him and take his life. Time magazine ran a piece on it and titled it, uh, Why Forgive? And they showed two pictures side by side. One of the picture was of the Pope with his face completely surprised um, at the moment where he had been shot as he was totally in shock of what is happening. The picture right next to it was a picture of his would-be assassin in prison. His face in total shock in the moment where he was offered forgiveness. Over the years, Pope John Paul uh, II w w actually uh, befriended this man and his family and visited a number of times to the point where they actually considered each other friends. And when, when Ali Aka came out of prison, he actually came out holding high that copy of Time magazine and proclaiming that over those years, he had actually become friends with the Pope. Could you just imagine that, friends, that they had become friends? And then think of this, think of uh, th this, this Pope and imagine uh, one day that he was, he was uh, showing his wounds where, where he had been shot and explaining them. And imagine him using that term and saying, this is where my friend shot me. These are the wounds that were given to me by my friends. And then imagine Jesus. Imagine Jesus after his resurrection, in his resurrected body, which still had the scars, 
where they had driven nails into his hands, into his feet. Part of the apparatus that had killed him, executed him. And imagine him showing his friends, his disciples, those wounds. And they are the wounds of his friends. Jesus, the friend of sinners. Jesus, the one who taught that, that the way to really show the love of God, if you've really received it and accepted it, is to love others. And the test of uh, loving others or loving your neighbors was loving your enemies, making your enemies friends. Imagine Jesus showing his wounds to the world and saying, these are the wounds that my friends gave me. But these are the wounds that made my enemies my friends. This this is forgiveness. Oh, why forgive? Why, why would the Pope be able to forgive someone who tried to kill him? Because this is the way of Jesus. This is the way of God's love. So Jesus took wine. Look at the wine I mean, really look at the wine. He said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. He was saying, this is how to move on. This is how to repair things and to stitch the world back together. This is how to come and find joy after brokenness and hurt. Forgiveness has rescued the world. Let it work its way in your heart. Let the forgiveness of God set an anchor in, uh, in your heart that allows you to forgive people who in turn have hurt you. Receive today your freedom, a gift of restoration, because forgiveness is something that cannot be grasped. It can only be granted, and it has been granted, and Jesus bears the scars to prove it, and they are the scars of his friends and even his enemies who he has reconciled to himself to make friends. In Colossians chapter 1, it says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That forgiveness has been granted to you. Can you accept that today? And so take the cup and pray with me as we bless it. Thank you, Father, for the gracious gift of forgiveness. Thank you for revealing your perfect love by reconciling us to yourself through the gift of Jesus. Thank you that while we were once far from you, you have brought us into right standing with you. Thank you for proving that forgiveness is the way forward. Set the anchor of forgiveness so deep in our hearts that we are prepared to forgive those who have hurt us and continue to bring restoration to the world around us. Amen. And so Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my blood which confirms the covenant, our relationship between God and his people, it is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many.
And the Apostle Paul said that whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so it is what we do. We proclaim with our words and also with our lives and our actions, the sacrificial love of Jesus, the deep forgiveness of Jesus, his body and his blood given for us and poured out for us to draw us and all who would accept it back to himself. We have in just a minute for you some special music, and so we'd love for you to stay on with us and uh, continue to uh, um, just stay in this moment and to interact with the presence of God. And you can do that by uh, quietly listening and contemplating the words or to sing along wherever you are. Uh, So stick with us in just a minute. And now may you know the strength and power of God's sacrificial love and forgiveness in every day and every situation. May you be encouraged, strengthened, and filled with joy and peace this Good Friday and always. Amen.